0: Is retirement on your mind? Do you know where you'll want to live? There are so many choices around the world and the clock is ticking.
1: We're Mr. and Mrs. Rover, and we're on a journey to find our paradise. We'll be talking to retirees, real estate agents, and other professionals to help us get the inside scoop about their local area. So join us and find your paradise.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Retirement Rovers. Evelyn, what's today's topic?
1: Well, we're really talking about the dream. And when I talk about the dream, it's a dream for a lot of people, including us, which is the ability to be able to travel to a lot of places, to experience a lot of cultures. And I don't mean like one or two countries. I'm talking about 20, 30 countries really being able to see the world.
0: I love that dream.
1: I love it too, and a lot of people are out there today actually doing it. They're going from country to country, they're earning money as they go, and they really are living the dream.
0: Evelyn, are you referring to the nomad lifestyle?
1: I am, actually. It's a lifestyle that a lot of people are living, and I'm pretty sure our listeners will be interested in hearing about it because it's not just a lifestyle for younger people. It's also something that people in their retirement years are doing, and they're finally able to have the freedom to go see the world. So this really applies to anyone. And we have a guest today, Sam Roberts, who's been living this dream. He's got some great experiences, and he's going to be telling us all about them. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to talk to you. One of the reasons why I'm so excited to talk to you is I'm really interested in this concept of the nomad lifestyle. One of the reasons why Jerry and I started Retirement Rovers is we can't make up our minds on where we'd like to retire. And I think part of the reasons why is because we just can't, we like too many places. We enjoy traveling, and I'm not sure we'd be ready to just Pick one place and just live there. So this is this is something that I'd really like to explore for us. So and I know you must have some really fantastic experiences to share. So I'd love to start out by having you tell us what exactly is a nomad for people who may not be familiar with this.
2: Um, well, well, thanks for having me. First of all, um, it's a pleasure. Um, to answer your question, what is a nomad? I think it's just somebody who, and it's quite hard to define, but I think it's somebody who just lives all over the world, doesn't really have an exact location of what they would call home. So maybe doesn't have a mortgage. Um, maybe that, I, I mean, I think the concept of nomad, it goes back centuries, you know, gypsies and I mean, there's still cultures around the world that still like in Mongolia, they don't really have homes. They just live in tents and basically just make a tent somewhere and then live there. Um, so basically I would define it as, you know, not really having a a certain place that you live, just living wherever you want.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I've also heard the term digital nomad, and I think those are folks that actually work online and they don't need to be in an office. And so they can live wherever they want. Is that, is that something that you do?
2: It is. So I make pretty much all of my money online so I have numerous different incomes online so yeah basically it's it's becoming quite popular now the whole digital nomad thing and I think it'll become more popular in the future with the recent events I think a lot of jobs that were office-based are no longer going to be office-based anymore you know I think certain jobs are going to be done from home So yeah, basically that that whole digital nomad thing is people who make money online from their computer and they can basically do that from anywhere in the world or any location as long as they've got the Wi-Fi. Uh, It's becoming very popular.
0: Uh, Sam, I'm curious, what were you doing before you decided to live the nomad lifestyle and kind of what was it that made you decide to become a nomad?
2: Basically, so... I grew up in the north of England, uh, I'm not sure, have Have you been to the north of England before? Or?
1: We've been to the London area and traveled a little bit around, but never to the north.
2: Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a very, very small town called Preston, which is very close to Liverpool and Manchester, which are two pretty famous cities. So I grew up there and it's, it's very much a, a working class area. Um, I guess you could compare it to places like maybe Detroit in the United States, so it used to have a lot of industry. 50, 60 years ago, and now it's very working class, doesn't really have any industry anymore. That's gone to different parts of the world. So quite a working class background. Um, So I went to college or university, as they call it, in the UK, and got my bachelor's degree in criminology. So my initial goal was to join the police when I was younger. So that was why I majored in criminology. And basically, I left university and then realized I didn't want to join the police anymore um became a little bit disillusioned didn't know what to do sort of when went off looking at you know get joining the corporate world getting a corporate job didn't didn't sing with me I didn't I it just didn't feel right to get a, like a job in, a, in the corporate world I think some people they kind of realize that when they're in the 40s that maybe the corporate world's not for me but I already knew when I was early 20s and so I'd always had this dream of traveling the world uh, I'd read a few different books of very successful entrepreneurs who had gone traveling in their early 20s and that had inspired them to you know start their business and stuff so I was always inspired to travel the world and that's basically what I did I left college went back to live with my parents started working in restaurants started buying and selling cars online with their dad and flipping them and making money off that and quickly saved up quite a bit of money and then basically just left and went around the world for Number
1: of years, you know, I, I we're in our early fifties, and this type of freedom didn't exist, or at least we didn't know about it because it wasn't widely known. You know, we didn't have the internet as widely as we do today. Early on, <laughs> that sounds uh, so old. <laughs> it, I know it sounds really old, and I know a lot of folks are uh, our age are are kind of getting into this, and they're they're interested in doing this more towards the later part of their life. So that's really. Exciting for us. I know. Um, how many places have you actually traveled to?
2: So the total number of countries that I've been to is it's in the forties right now. I don't know the exact number. I think it's, I think it's about 43 countries overall. The majority of those are in Asia. So I've been, I've, I've been to most countries in Asia, done a lot of countries in Europe too. Um, I've been to the United States, traveled all over the United States as well. Um, yeah, never, never really been to South America or, or Central America, which is somewhere that I'd, I'd like to go to in the future.
1: Awesome. Where? Where is actually the first place you went to?
2: Well, I'll be honest. So when I left college, I I, I went on a J one visa to the United States. Um. So so I went on a J one visa to the United States, and I worked there for a little bit in New York, um, doing some bartending. And basically, after that, I basically traveled around much of the United States. So New York, L.A., um, all around California, uh, Nevada, Arizona, uh, Illinois. So all different kinds of places. So that was the first country that I went to on my own was the U.S. And probably the first one that I realized that I really loved traveling and doing that sort of stuff.
1: How do you decide where you're going to go next?
2: It's usually... A, a good instinct thing, I would say. Yeah, I, it really just depends if I feel like it's somewhere that interests me or not.
0: And when you're looking at these new locations, I'm curious: how does cost play into this, and and how does the cost of being a nomad compare to what most people would think of as more a traditional lifestyle?
2: Okay, so when I when, when I would first travel and be a nomad, I would travel off savings that I had made from working jobs. So. Cost was very important then because I didn't have any money whilst I was travelling, so I would directly go to countries that were very cheap. Now it's not as much of an issue for me because I, you know, I make enough money online to basically travel all year and not really have to worry about money. So, but, but but obviously still I I still like to go to countries that are more affordable, places like Southeast Asia, you know, places like Thailand and Indonesia where. You know, things are maybe a, a fifth as cheap as what they are in the U.S. and you can live a really great lifestyle on on not much money. So it still does play a big role in where I go to for sure.
1: So do you have a favorite place that you you just keep thinking about that you love?
2: Yeah, so I really do love Thailand. And I know it's, very, it's a very popular country to retire to. I know a lot of Americans uh, live there. And I, I really love Thailand. I think it's a great place. It's a it's a great culture. It's very different to the West in many, many ways. But also, Thailand's becoming very developed as well. So it's got the mixture of Western convenience and also the, the Asian culture. And, you know, they, they get, well, until last year, they were getting 40, 40 million tourists per year Um which is, well, it's, it's incredible. That's like the same amount as Italy would get or maybe a little bit less. So it's very popular with, with tourists and it's, it's overall a, a very friendly country, very affordable uh, and also a great mixture of Asian culture and sort of Western culture as well mixed into one. I think Thailand's a great place to retire to.
1: Where have you stayed in Thailand?
2: So I've stayed all over Thailand, basically everywhere, north, south, Bangkok I, I wrote an article for you on, on Bangkok which is one of my favorite cities in the world um so I've been I've been everywhere really in Thailand so I, I know it really well I've, I've spent countless months there
1: so what do you do when you're in Bangkok or whatever city you're in and maybe you get sick you know how do you handle the healthcare situation
2: I've, I've been very lucky when I've been traveling I've never actually got sick I just think it's very very lucky basically i i have i have my travel my travel insurance um and i do check a lot of people who travel or go abroad they won't really check their travel insurance too much so a lot of mistakes people make is they will get travel insurance that doesn't cover them for motorcycle accidents for example so i'll get a pretty comprehensive travel insurance and i'll read through the small print and see what it actually covers me for so um in terms of if I'm in Asia and places like that, then I will have travel insurance because if you get sick in Thailand and you don't have insurance, you're going to be seriously out of pocket for it. Um, now, I, I lived in Australia for a number of years. Uh, and for me, Australia is free health care, completely free health care for me, because the UK and Australia have an agreement that when, when either citizen goes to the other country, they get free health care. So in Australia, I didn't have to think about health care, but usually I'll get a good comprehensive travel insurance.
1: When you go to a new country, do you seek out areas where there are a lot of expats, or are you more of the mindset to really immerse yourself in the local culture and live live amongst where the local where the locals live?
2: I would say a a bit of both. I think um, if I am staying somewhere for a long time, I do like there to be an expat community, you know, people that I can talk to about american things or or british things you know um but if i'm traveling just generally traveling i I like to go to places that are like i'm the only person from the uk like places like myanmar which is a very like unknown country in southeast asia places like that where you are really out of your comfort zone and there's very few tourists um but if, if i'm staying somewhere somewhere for a long time then i would Rather, there would be a community of expats there.
0: And how long do you usually stay in one place? And then, at what point do you wake up in the morning and say, "I think it's time to go somewhere else"?
2: It, it really depends. I genuinely go off my my gut instinct. If I am starting to get a little bit bored of a place, then I'll just I'll just leave. It, it really depends. If if I really like a city, I can spend months there. And um, you know, I, I wrote about Ho Chi Minh City for for your blog and. I lived there for a number of months. So it really just depends on how I'm feeling. I just go off my gut instinct. And if I feel like it's time to move on, I'll go.
0: So if you were to take your your backpack and spread it out across the room, what are the essential, I can't forget to bring these type items?
2: Great question. I would say the essentials are... I would say the biggest essential is this, especially if you travel into countries that don't have the same food hygiene as, as the West. So places like India and Southeast Asia, I can't remember what the name of it's called, but it, 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 obviously if you get diarrhea, which is common in those countries, if you're eating street food, the, the tablets where it sort of stops you from having diarrhea, if you know what I mean. Yes.
1: <laughs> Very <that> important.
2: <laughs> it, 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 it's it's essential if you're traveling outside of, say, Europe. If If you're in Asia the food hygiene is just not the same. So you, you can get sick. Or I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I've never had food poisoning and I've not really had any stomach issues. But there has been times when I was in India where it did happen and I had a bus journey, for example. So very essential. I, I think if, if you're traveling outside of the West, then they're a great thing to have. And, and also just have some some practical first aid stuff like bandages and um, some... Well, I would say, like alcohol, maybe that you can. Put if, if you fall over and cut yourself, you know, just just those sort of things. That I, I I think you need.
0: Yeah, I I think you just described my nightmare situation about having diarrhea and then having to take a long bus ride. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's it's it happens. It happens. Yeah.
0: When you're traveling all over the world, I'm sure at some point in your journeys you probably pause and say i really miss this about my home country um what what are those things that you do miss um there are so many benefits to traveling the world but i'm sure occasionally um you you miss some things about your home country
2: of course the main thing that i miss from the uk is the humor because the british humor is very unique uh, very dry very sarcastic and almost nobody outside of the UK really gets the the British humour too too well. Um, so, you know, and, of, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite, I do have quite a dry British sense of humour, so I'll be quite sarcastic sometimes. And <laughs> I, I will genuinely, I don't know, maybe offend people around the world with my sarcasm. They don't know I'm being sarcastic because I'm very British. And I don't know if you're, you're aware of the British humour, but we say things in a very, I don't know how to describe it, but it's very unique sense of humour that nowhere else in the world kind of understands. I do miss that and I do I do miss that, yeah. Yeah, I'm
1: a Definitely. big fan of British humor. I love watching British comedies and so I get what you mean. And I think, Jerry, we might be in trouble because we're very sarcastic. Uh, you know, I think that yeah. runs through our veins. So that's good to know that that doesn't always play well in other cultures.
2: Oh, no, it doesn't. It's, and it's, especially in um, a, Asian cultures, they have what's called one of the big differences in culture between the the east and the west is in the east they have this what's called saving face culture which is very which is very prevalent and you know any form of sarcasm and stuff like that is not really you know it doesn't really go well with their culture so yeah, I, I do miss the, the English, the British sense of humor when I'm traveling, absolutely.
1: Do you read up on anything to do with the culture before you hit a new one? You know, some of those faux pas that you don't want to do before you land in a new uh, country?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I will always read blogs before I go to a country, you know, um, especially countries that are more adventurous. So places like India, for example, and, and Myanmar where there's not many tourists going there. I will do my research, get myself prepared for what's to come. And I think it's important maybe to do some research before. Some people don't like to do research before they go somewhere. They like to throw themselves into a place, but I do like to kind of get myself ready for it.
1: Right. That feels a little dangerous to me, that you you don't want to hit a foreign land and really offend people
2: (laughs) the minute you get there. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just important to know, like, local etiquette. So, you know, in Asia, you, you never go inside with your shoes on. In, in, in Asian culture, it's very rude to walk inside a building, a hotel, or not, like a, a hotel, guest house with your shoes on. So that's something to be aware of. Oh, really?
1: Of. Do you take your shoes yeah. off before you hit the lobby?
2: Basically, yeah.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. We've never, we've never been to Asia, so that's, like, one of the, yeah. the areas that we're very unfamiliar with.
2: Well, they won't. In, in Asian culture, they won't tell you if you're doing something wrong because they don't like confrontation. It's a saving face culture. So you will upset them and you won't know. So it's good to know if, if you're going to places like Asia, Vietnam, those sort of countries, just little things like that which offend them, which they're probably not going to tell you, but it will offend them.
0: So, Sam, you've been to some 40 countries. I'm curious, as you look back, you know what were a couple of your Favorite cultural experiences that you've experienced.
2: Yeah, I would say my favorite cultural experience is Japan Um, Japan is a Fascinating country. I think everybody that goes to Japan kind of falls in love with it It's um, It's just very unique. It's there's nowhere else in Asia like it. There's, There's nowhere else in the world. That's quite like it It's it's so developed it's such a prosperous country it's a very very wealthy place the the infrastructure is incredible it's above anything we have in the us or the uk and they're just they're extremely disciplined people you know the food's phenomenal the they're very respectful too the weird thing is with with tokyo it's it's the busiest well it's the biggest city in the world i think there's a population of around 30 million people But it's also one of the quietest places I've ever been to as well, because people in Japan are very respectful. They don't like to make noise. They like to respect everyone else's privacy. And Japan is a very unique, fascinating culture. It really is. And um, I highly recommend going to Japan for anyone from America or somewhere like that.
1: Yeah, I, I love Japanese culture. We actually had, when I was a teenager, a couple of Japanese exchange students and they were just as fascinated by some of the things in our culture. One, we had a community swimming pool, and they couldn't believe that people weren't in it just shoulder to shoulder, because that's how they've experienced swimming pools in Japan. And they were fascinated by the little houses we had for our cars, our garages. And they just thought that was the, the most amazing thing in the world. And I just, I loved them. So I'd, I'd actually really love going to Japan.
2: Well, one of the really interesting things, and it's quite, you know, and it's it's funny because if you look back on the last year, it kind of plays into it a little bit. But when I when I was there in 2018, it, in in Japan, if you're sick, so you had a common cold or any any type of illness where you felt maybe a little bit tired, they would wear a mask, and they they are very conscious historically on passing their germs on to other people. So even before, like last year, you, you go on the metro in Tokyo and there'll be people wearing masks now. They're like, why, why are they wearing masks? And it's because their culture is just so based on respect and other people. It's just like pure that they are a very, very strong community in Japan. It, it's a very much a community culture, whereas in the West, we're more, we're more individualistic in the West, which I find fascinating. But so, yeah, I mean, it, if you're sick in Japan, you know, even before coronavirus, they, they were wearing masks. So I, I thought that was fascinating.
1: Well, and the germaphobe in me just loves that <laughs> because that's that's my thing. I've I've, I've been a germaphobe, and I'm that person on the airplane, you know, for many years, Cloroxing my uh, table and and my you know everything around me. And so I I really do appreciate that part of of really looking out for others and not just yourself.
2: It was yeah. I mean, it was something that I really took away from Japan is that they really do have a community. And I think in Western culture, it's not we don't quite have that community as such, but it's a very fascinating country.
0: Uh, I'm curious, is there somewhere that you went to and after a bit of time you just decided you didn't like it?
2: Probably the one place that I was a little bit uncomfortable with, uh, I would say, was China. Um, now, I know it's quite popular. People do tend to move there because... You can get really high-paying English teaching jobs. So a lot of Americans live there and they teach English and it's it's well-paid. But obviously, as 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 in in China, there there is that whole censorship thing. And so if you travel to China, you're not allowed to use any sort of media from outside China. So you're banned from using Google. You can't use WhatsApp. You can't use any social media, YouTube. Basically, anything that's not Chinese internet approved, you can't use it. So you know, after a while, that became very annoying. Um, so I, I mean, after, I mean, China's a, it, it's, it's a great place to travel. It's, it's, it's a very interesting culture, but there is a few, a few things in China, like the the complete lack of English, nobody outside Beijing and Shanghai can really speak English there. And obviously the to have freedom to go on, do what you want on the internet as well. I mean, you can use a VPN, but you're not technically supposed to. That was some, that got a little bit tiring. So I was after a month in China, I was ready to move on.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I I think that would be isolating, uh, especially, you know, if you're if you're the nomad anyway and you know, you have a harder time keeping track of friends and family as you're traveling. Um anything anything that was shocking, like you you got to a place and and was really, you know, above and beyond your expectations or or crazy, any any kind of moments like that?
2: Couple of, well, I would say that the first culture shock that I ever had was, was traveling to India. So um, I landed in Delhi, the capital of India, which is this huge city of 30 million people. So it, may, it makes London and New York small, some of these Asian cities. Mean, and, and just landing in Delhi, I, I went there on my own and just walking outside the airport and there just being thousands of people just stood around. Half of them looking at me because if 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 you're you know if you have white skin in India they will not not in a rude way but they look at you they they stare at you because staring's not rude in their culture it's it's sort of like okay to stare at people so it, when when you first land in India and you walk into Delhi and you just get stared at for it, it's like it's kind of like being Brad Pitt walking through Los Angeles <laughs> so that was a big culture shock for me and and some of them would even come up to you and say can you hold my baby and we want to take a picture of you holding the baby and it's it's like it's literally like being a celebrity because in india when i on the first day in delhi i walked around uh on my own the first day because i didn't meet anybody in the hostel so i just went off on my own and walked around and i only saw i think i counted five people in six hours that were from maybe america or the uk Other than that, it was just indians and so that was really like completely throwing yourself out of your comfort zone and then In India, you've got all the sounds, it's extremely loud, it's so many cars, there's just so much things going on. It's just a really great, if if you want to really throw yourself out there into somewhere that you have completely different to America or the UK, go to India.
0: We will maybe do that based on, <laughs> based on some of your comments. That we'll, might make the list or maybe not. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to know, you know, as you kind of sum up your experiences so far, what do you like best about the nomadic lifestyle and what are some of the things you like the least?
2: So the nomadic lifestyle, I, I like the freedom. I think the freedom of being able to work wherever you want in the world. And I think it's fantastic. Just to be able to, if, if you work online, be able to open your computer and make money from anywhere. Over connection, an internet connection is fantastic. I think the biggest drawback of the nomad lifestyle is the lack of structure in your life. So you, you do sort of that. There are I I think in life you it's it's good to have stable friendships with people. And if you're a nomad, it's very difficult to make stable friends because you're always moving, and I think that's a big a big downside of being a nomad. Um, and also, obviously, you don't see a family for a long time. So I think just just there is a time where the normal things in life that make you happy, like the friends, the family, and the structure, maybe of having a routine, um, becomes difficult when you when you're when you're a nomad.
1: Well, it sounds like maybe introverts would, would enjoy the nomadic lifestyle, <laughs> those folks that don't need that connection with friends.
2: I mean, there's, there's great co-working spaces in most countries now where they're called co-working spaces and it's where digital nomads, it's, it's basically like a massive office for nomads and they have them all over the world and you can just go in there and meet people that are digital nomads. So that's what I do when I'm traveling. So you'll always, I've, I've never been lonely traveling because you can just go and stay in a hostel and meet a bunch of people traveling and, and yeah, but I mean, there is that structure that you of having friends and family around you that you do. I mean, I guess it depends if you spend say six months in the U S and then travel for six months around the world, I guess you get the best of both worlds. But if you're somebody who moves to Asia for years and travels, then, you do miss that structure. And
0: and as you were talking, I was wondering also, and Sam, I'm going to get very personal here for a moment, but you know, the, I guess it would be difficult if you meet that significant other as well in your journeys. And then if that's the lifestyle, I guess at some point you decide, are you going to travel together or not? So that, yeah, I never thought of that.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's a really, that's a big drawback as well of, of being a nomad because if you meet somebody like a you know someone, it's difficult because you know he or she has to be living the same lifestyle as you. So you know I've I've met people and I've been travelling that were not living the nomad lifestyle. So you know it, it wouldn't work. You know if they're working you know a normal job and living a normal lifestyle and you're off around the, around the world for six months a year. So I think if if you're living the nomad lifestyle, your significant other has got to be doing the same thing as well otherwise it's not going to work
0: and and so if someone came to you and they asked for advice and because they were considering being a nomad what are some things or recommendations or advice that you'd give them
2: i i would say if you've got a burning desire to just travel the world do that first see see if you enjoy traveling and then maybe from there see if you want to make money online and start living around the world. I don't. I, I think for a lot of people, being a nomad's not for them. I think it's a, a, a certain personality type. Um, it's somebody that likes to be free and be all over the world. I mean, it's becoming more popular with the rise of Instagram, YouTube, online companies that people are living this lifestyle. It's becoming very popular. But I, I, I think it's a certain person that would do that and be happy doing it. I think just first, go go and travel around the world, go and travel in Europe go backpacking in Europe, see if you enjoy it, and then go from there.
1: As I think about it, I think the, the uncertainty of, of where you're going to be living, trying to find that place, you know, that you're going to be staying, like there's a lot of little details that you have to plan for um, that, would be, that would be interesting. I mean, again, to your point, if you like structure, if you like routine, then maybe this is not the, the lifestyle for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean if 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 you want to live a comfortable lifestyle where you you have your your, your pension or I think they call it the is it the 401k in the US. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean if you want that sort of lifestyle where you've got a definite paycheck and you've got a very comfortable path to retirement, it's just not for you. I think you've got to be a bit of an entrepreneur at heart and you've got to want to live life in an unconventional way. You've, you've almost got to want to, to not live a nine-to-five lifestyle. You have to, that has to be a, a, an underlying drive for you to live this lifestyle. Uh, otherwise, you'd probably be happier to just get a normal job. And
1: Yeah. No, I think a lot of us at this age range in this time of our life, we look back and say, hey, you know, we're looking for something different. So I know a lot of people are going to be very interested to hear this this fascinating conversation because it's something that, is a possibility for a lot of us, you know, entering the, the I don't want to say latter stages of our lives, because <laughs> that, that sounds really depressing. But maybe the, the time of our lives where, you know, we don't have the children to take care of, and, and we can be a little bit more free. So um, loved the conversation, Sam. Uh, if anyone would like to know more about you and your journey, do you have a blog or social um, pages that they could follow you on?
2: Sure. So I do have a blog which I've um, only really started in the last couple of months and it's a, it's called the um, You can Maybe you can put that in the link or, or something. But
1: Absolutely. Yes, we will have that link on the um, podcast page on our website as well.
2: So I've started writing about a lot of my travel stories and obviously I, I am a freelance writer as well. So I do a lot of writing for different blogs and companies and stuff like that. So I've, I've started um, going to try and build that blog and create some interesting content on there for my travels I also have a YouTube channel which is under my name uh, Sam Roberts and it has uh, last time I checked I had just over 2,000 subscribers where so basically my plan was I, I, I loved making videos when I traveled and COVID-19 basically means that I can't travel and make videos so uh, basically I'm just waiting to be able to travel again and then Go back on the road and make some videos and traveling, and um, so yeah, my YouTube channel is called Sam Roberts, and um, in future, I'll try and make some great content when I'm able to, you know, leave London where I can't even leave London right now. So hopefully, soon I can get back to doing doing what I love.
1: Yes, as as we all are looking forward to doing as well. So thank you, Sam. I very much appreciate your time. I'm so glad we were able to talk to Sam today. That was a great interview.
0: I loved a lot of his advice, and it was really cool hearing from someone that's gone out and lived this nomadic lifestyle.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I kept thinking about when we go and we check out new countries, Europe was always at the top of my mind. And when he was talking about Japan, I really felt like that's somewhere I'd like to be, because I really have I I really have loved the Japanese culture for most of my life, but I never really thought about going there together with you and really spending a lot of time there.
0: I will have to admit, Japan has not always been on the top of my list, but after hearing a lot of the things that Sam said today, it really has shot up towards the top.
1: I was so interested in it, especially when he was talking about the cultural etiquette of Asia. And so for Japan specifically, I went and I looked at some of the other things that people might want to um, keep mind of if they ever go to Japan. And I here's a couple of really interesting ones. Um, one, it is a faux pas to accept a gift when it's first offered. Really? Yeah. And actually, the giver is expected to offer it multiple times, and it's usually about three times. And I think it would be considered rude if you would just accept it right away. So that, I think, is really interesting because that's very different from our culture. Another interesting one was that blowing one's nose in public is a faux pas. Uh uh,
0: (laughs) Uh-oh. You're in trouble. I'm in deep trouble. Well, that's
1: good to know. You know, when you land and you, you enter a new culture... The first thing you don't want to do is just commit these these faux pas. And in a way, you're representing your country and your your own culture. And so I like to be careful. So the next one, <laughs> moving on, tipping is rarely practiced in Japan and can be considered an insult. Really? Yeah. And I this is the interesting part of it to me was... There are certain cases where it's okay, such as tipping your surgeon for an operation. Now, I find that so fascinating because here, tipping obviously is something we do every day, but we would never think of tipping our surgeon.
0: Mm, Definitely not.
1: Yeah. So when we go to Japan, and I'm saying when, because now that's in my mind, I'm going to plan for this trip at some point. But when we go to Japan, we'll have to look more into this.
0: And hopefully we won't have to tip a surgeon. but
1: <laughs> exactly. we know if
0: in case the fingers you know, crossed, yes,
1: yeah, right. In case the the thing comes up, we have to be ready for that tip money exactly, ok. So another thing that I thought was a great discussion was when we were talking about the pros and cons. and Sam mentioned, stability and the need for stability. And I was thinking about myself because I am a very habitual person. I have my habits and my routines, and I really am attracted to this idea of traveling here and there because I think it would really get me out of my personal comfort zone. I know you are much less so this way than I am. Definitely. Another topic I thought was great when sam was talking about it was the fact that he is a digital nomad and he has multiple streams of income coming in throughout the year to support his travel in fact i actually think that we should probably do a blog or another podcast about ways that you can make money online if you're interested in being a, a digital nomad there are many ways and just off the top of my head i think of you know, some people set up blogs and they monetize them. Some people do travel photography. There is a website out there called Upwork, and you can actually bid on jobs like, you know, if you if you're talented in writing, writing jobs, programming, uh, d- design, you know, graphic design, those types of things. And so there are a multitude of ways that you can make money online out there. And I think that is interesting because for retirees, you know if you don't have or if you don't want to get into your retirement savings to fund everything. It's a great way to supplement those retirement savings.
0: Definitely. And and in fact, Sam wrote a a few articles for us in our blog. He
1: did. That's how we met Sam is we posted uh, a need for some blogs and uh, he wrote them for us. So they were great. Yeah, they were fantastic. He did the Ho Chi Minh City and Bangkok. So if you happen to be on retirementrovers.com, check them out. Well, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. We loved talking with Sam. We learned a lot. And please make sure to to check out his blogs. You'll be able to find the links on retirementrovers.com on this podcast page. Check them out, please. And we hope the information you heard today was interesting and it helps you find your paradise.